We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And the Knicks will go back over 500 20 and 19 and win their ninth game on the road, 9 and 12 on the road. As the final buzzer sounds in Oklahoma City, a special afternoon for R.J. Barrett. A career-high 32 points. And Julius Randle becomes the first player in over 30 years for the Knicks to have two triple-doubles in one season. Okay. We are not going to finish this season with win total in the teens. Um, This is... uh, you know, I don't want to get too excited about this game. And we kept them under 100. Thank you, Manny. Uh, I don't want to get too excited about this game because uh, if they didn't win this game by at least 20 points, it was, it, you know, wouldn't have been a great look. And the fact that they were down 10 early was um, disconcerting, to say the least. Um, but, you know, for as much progress as they have made this year, the New York Knickerbockers are still – not in any position to turn down any good fortune that may um, come their way. Yeah, RJ should be in the G League, right? Uh, uh, how's that take uh, aging? I mean, look, I obviously – I don't know who said that, but that's pretty ridiculous. Um, but like a lot of people, and that's where we have to start. Uh, I was down on RJ. It was funny. I was down on RJ to start the year after his first five games. And then he came back, and he was putting up some nice numbers. He was started hitting some threes, looked better. And I was like, okay, here we go. Let's giddy up. And then he took another step back, and I'm like, man, did I go – did I did I give him too much praise too soon? Is this really happening? And I started to ask – no, just no. It's it's done. The R.J. Barrett conversation is over. Um, it's finished. There is no more R.J. Barrett conversation. 
the like the only RJ Barrett conversation is how high can this kid go? Um, because he now looks the part of I don't want I don't care you know is he the second best player on the championship team? Is he the third best player on a contending team? I, I don't the specifics of it matter less than the fact that he looks the part. And if you watch this game, like, here's the one thing I'm not going to feel bad about, right? That team plays hard, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they have guys that can play defense. Um, So the fact that RJ put up his career high, 32 points today on 21 shots, by the way, um, like against that team, that's, that's a real 32. That's not a fake 32. That's not 32 points against the Sacramento Kings or whoever else you want to give me. Um, you know, some other shitty team on a night where they're not not defending. I mean, that was a real 32 points. And it's the way he's doing it. It's not just today. It wasn't just against Milwaukee. It was, I want to say, the four, five, six or so previous games before the break where it just looks like he's letting it come to him. Um, he's not rushing it. He's Here's the thing. He's not forcing anything. And for anybody who didn't catch the uh, post-media uh, Zoom session uh, yesterday, uh, well, you wouldn't have caught the post-media Zoom session, but the highlights of the post-media Zoom session, um, one of the beat guys asked RJ why he was averaging less free throw attempts this year. And he said, because I'm not forcing it as much at the rim anymore. Um, and he's not. I mean, it's, it's obvious his forays into the paint are just – completely under control. I love that he's finally putting defenders on his hip after he gets that initial burst. He's learning. He's like, I am the size of a massive giant human being and I get to play the shooting guard position. I could take advantage of that. And he, he's been, he's been u- utilizing that to his exam, to his advantage. Um, my favorite play of the day um, was his drive and kick to Randall in the corner for three because I've been wanting for a year and a half for RJ to drive and kick to corners. And that's like the last step that I want to see him drive, kick out. And we're starting to see that too. Michael Aaron with the comment in the super chat. What's up, Michael? My daughter is flipping out because I just ran, <laughs> ran around the house cheering. I'm glad you ran around the house cheering. I let out a few yelps and claps and things in my house. My daughter was getting very excited as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great day. Um, Dirty Dancer, great name. RJ just needs to work on his offhand. Had a couple of right-handed finishes today. You know, that's, again, something else that we – is a small thing, right? Like, yes, at the NBA level, you should be able to finish with both hands when you're around the rim, but it is something that RJ Barrett struggled with last season. He's not struggling with it as much now. So, I, I mean, it, the sky's the limit. And and the last thing I want to say on, on RJ before we move on is I think – and look, we're going to have all kinds of trade deadline conversations over the next week and a half. They have to be really cognizant about making sure whatever trades they make, um, it is a player that complements both Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. And that means making sure you are keeping the ball in RJ Barrett's hands. And we, you know, we come, I come on here sometimes and like on the podcast and whatever else. And we have these conversations about where's the line between development and winning and this, that, and the other thing. Um, hey, what's going on? Are you excited about RJ Barrett? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah? You like 32 points? Yeah. Me too. Um, 
but it has to be absolutely imperative for this team. I don't care if they could get a much better player um, over the course of the last you know 30 games. They need to make sure that they keep the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands between now and the end of the season because that is more than anything, I think, what needs to happen over the rest of this year. Um, if not now, when? Oh, stop. Um, anyway, let's talk about some other stuff. Um, we do kind of look the same. Uh, let's give credit where credit is due to Julius Randle. Julius Randle had a 26-point triple-double in which he had 12 assists, 12 rebounds, um, got to the line 10 times, and made three of six from deep. Uh, 26 points on 15 shots. I do not um, have the time right now because I'm talking to you all to go on my uh, trusty StatHead account and find out when's the last time somebody had those numbers in a Nick uniform, but I can't imagine it's been done very, very much. Fantastic game for Julius Randle. He's awesome. Um, you want to talk about Emmanuel quickly now? No. No? no. Why not? Um, Emmanuel quickly, to his credit, 16 shots, and he had how many points on those 16 shots? 21 points on 16 shots. Um, got two steals. We didn't talk about – I didn't mention that with R.J. Barrett. He was very uh, um, feisty today with the with the old hands. And perhaps most importantly for Emmanuel quickly, four big assists um, for the Knicks rookie, something that we need to see. I could hear my wife laughing in the other room. Um, something that we need to see more of. We'll get to Frank and we'll get to the conversations about quickly moving forward, but a great game for him. And I also thought that Emmanuel quickly's minutes in the first half, especially were very necessary because the Knicks were dead in the water. Their offense was doing absolutely nothing. Um, the starting unit came out slow and we could talk about why that was in a minute, but quickly coming in, hitting those shots. I think he was five of his first six from the field. Just absolutely massive. You're just having way too much fun. See, this is, this is why we need more games at night because they don't have like babysitters just for Nick games. Um, any other good things that we need to talk about from today besides quick Randall and um, RJ? Yes. We need, to, oh my God. Did Alec Burks really take 18 shots? Yes, he did. You know who took zero shots? Taj Gibson took zero shots. And that is because Taj Gibson cares not about box score stats. Taj Gibson cares just about winning. Um, is Colin on this uh, live stream? Colin, if you're not here, you better hurry up and get on because I'm about to wax poetic about your favorite player. I was thinking about it. I'm not sure like I've ever wanted to actually get a player's jersey more than I want to get a Taj Gibson jersey right now. One, because it's 67. Do you like the number 67? Yes. Yes? Okay, that's good. Do you like Taj Gibson? Yeah, even though he had no points? Okay, that's fantastic. Um, but Taj Gibson, just he cares about all the right things. I mean, I, I could wax poetic about Taj for a very long time. He ended up playing 23.52 to Nerland's 24, but I thought his minutes were um, pretty valuable. Um, I did not think Nerland's had his best game, and I, th <laughs> I thought Taj was uh, arguably, as my daughter wipes out my power cord, um, I thought – Taj was arguably um, as important as quickly in setting the tone right for, for the rest of this game. All right, let's talk about Frank. Um, what do we say about Frank? You know what Frank is? Frank is like the supporting actor 
that every time he shows up in a movie, you just like, I wish that guy would get his own movie. He's really good. Every time he shows up in a movie, he's only in a couple scenes. He's in like three or four scenes, but I love him. Um, I just want to see him more. And this is probably unfair because you could go throughout his history with the Knicks. This is year four. And every time he gets an opportunity to play big minutes and it doesn't go well, um, you could point to specific reasons why. And you could pick to point to a specific reason why today. The entire team was flat when they came out. Those first five minutes of the game were not Frank's fault. But he happened to be the starting point guard that was on the floor during those first five minutes. And as much as he wasn't the main problem, you know, he wasn't really looking like he was part of the solution either. Um, he got a couple fouls. Um, there were a couple moments early on, and I will uh, try to pull the clips for uh, Monday's newsletter where he had open shots that he passed up. Um, again, this is that's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. I just think long term, if we're talking about what Frank is, I think he is a supporting actor. He's not a lead actor. And as a few people are saying in the chat very accurately, I think we've reached the point where we could say Frank is not you know, a point guard in the traditional sense. He's a guy you have out there to help move the ball. He's a guy you have out there to hit open shots when he gets the opportunity. He can facilitate an offense, but it's just not his goal, his his forte to guide an offense. Um, so, yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and, and like badmouth Frank. I just it, it was it's interesting to me because it's it occurred to me to, to for me to sit here and, and be like, oh, let's not pay attention to Frank. Like his minutes didn't matter. You know. This is not the first time this has happened or the second or the third or the fourth where he gets an opportunity and it doesn't go particularly well. So that's enough about Frank. He's a three and D guy. Um, he'll have a role in this league, whether it's on the Knicks or some other team for a very long time. Um, yeah, they needed to get this win. And I think they needed to get this win in the fashion they got it because I don't, I don't even care that Embiid's going to be out a couple games from now against the Sixers. I don't care that Durant might be out against the Nets. Like those games are going to be brutal. And um, they, to, if they had started off this road trip and they had gone 0-4, like all of the good vibes that they had accumulated this season could have gone right down the ship. And it would have been, you know, I didn't want to cross that bridge. And I feel like getting a win right now, I don't, even, I don't care that it was against the depleted Thunder. The fact that it was a 20-point win or however many points it was, 22-point um, win, it's like it's a reaffirmation of okay, there there is something legitimate about this next team. So, um, yeah, um, let's take some questions. I don't know what else there is for me to really say about this game other than that uh, Lugens Dort is really good, and um, I probably should have included him on my trade value column a few weeks ago, or or last week. Um, and R.J. Barrett was too low at thirty. R.J. Barrett is like a top 20 asset in the NBA. I, I said it. Fuck it. Okay. Um, Carlos Medina. IQ can be a good point guard down the road, but he scores so well. I honestly think quickly can be like, ooh, why you got to say this name? I honestly think quickly could be like Curry if he ever really figures it out. Look, if we're really starting to have a conversation about Emmanuel Quickly's ceiling as a basketball player. Um, oh, yeah, we can talk about Obi. I, ooh, God, I blocked Obi's minutes out. Um, I'll get to them in a second. Um, I think, I think quickly ceiling depends completely on his ability to facilitate. Um, I'm not talking about that Burke's finger roll fail. How dare you bring that up? That's mean. Um, 
I think he has facilitation in him. Um, and I'll, I'll reference something Tib said uh, yesterday as well, which is that, and and this is a little bit of coach speak because he was asked about like what does quickly need to work on as a point guard, and he's like, there's different types of point guards in this league. There's score first point guards. There's guys who do different things, and his point was that there aren't a whole lot of strictly facilitating point guards left, which was basically his way of saying like, yes, I think Emmanuel quickly could be a point guard in this league. Does he think Emmanuel quickly could be a starting point guard in this league? I'm not so sure he thinks so right now, but who gives a shit about right now? We're talking about down the line. Um, I don't want to put a ceiling on quickly. I'm not going to say, you know, Steph Curry, but why should we put a ceiling on him? I love the McCollum comparison, maybe a little bit more facilitation than McCollum. I think that's in play. Why not? Uh, Alan Berman, thank you for your contribution to the super chat. At what point do you just flat out ask Tibbs, why are you still playing Alfred Payton when we win every game he doesn't play? Um, speaking just for myself, I'm, I'll just cop to it. Like, again, I don't always get questions on these Zooms. Um, but if I was ever given a question um, and it was like a game like today, I would not have the balls to ask Tom Thibodeau, why do you continue? Like, just flat out come and ask him. Why do you keep playing out for Peyton when it just clearly goes well for you? Um, you know, when he sits out, maybe some other reporter, uh, maybe Ian Begley. Ian Begley's pretty entrenched in this job. Maybe he has the uh, cojones it takes to ask that question. The man you're looking at right now does not. I think it's a fair question to ask. And I, I will I, it, listen. I'll ask the next time I, I, I get an opportunity to do so. Um are there things that you think that quickly adds to the offense when he's running the point that Alfred Payton does not? I think that's a fair question. I would ask that question. And I think he's probably going to defer and, and not really give me a real answer, but I think that's a fair question. Um, let's see what else. Um, not a qu- <laughs> Connor, not a question, but prayers to everyone who thought Tyler Harrow was better than RJ. I'll take a sip of beer after that because I, I wavered there for a while um, during the bubble. You know, and in fairness, Harrow looked really good in the bubble, but it was the bubble. And I think we're starting to figure out that, like, a lot of shit that we saw in the bubble should maybe be taken with a grain of salt, especially since R.J. Barrett did not get his own bubble opportunity. Um, out of sight, out of mind. So, yeah, I think Harrow's still going to be pretty good. But um, and, and, again, in fairness, um, Zach Lowe, who again, I I love Zach Lowe and I you know worship the ground that he walks on. I know not everybody feels that way, but he watches a lot of basketball and I take his opinions pretty pretty seriously. He went on his podcast with uh, Ian Bagley. It was three weeks ago, and it was a little bit before this RJ run. But he was you know he said then he's like I you know RJ would or uh, Harrow would be probably the third pick in the draft if it was done over again. Um, and then he was like, put RJ in a group after that. Um, ooh, Harrow or quickly. <sighs> ooh. I would not trade quickly for Harrow if I'm the Knicks. Um, but I wonder around the league what that would be. I think, I think quickly's already shown more of an ability to play point guard than Tyler Harrow. Um, I don't know that quickly is the three level scorer that Harrow is. But then again, Harrow hasn't been shooting that well this year. So I don't know. I, I, I fuck it quickly. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm usually good at admitting when I'm, when I'm giving a homer opinion. I don't necessarily think that's a homer opinion. And I think anybody out there um, who's putting quickly, like, you know, still is like not one of the top five prospects in this draft class. They're just not watching games. That's the only reason. Because if you're watching the games and you're watching the fact that he just, he's walking in like a five or six year vet. Not to say he doesn't make mistakes, but like the mistakes that he's making are mistakes that like veteran players make. He's taking good chances. He's putting up good shots. He doesn't put up bad shots. Yeah, he misses a play every now and then. He might get he might get beat on on defense every now and then. But like, I'm I'm not trading. Oh God, I love Emmanuel quickly. That that dude, foundational piece, one hundred percent. He might be top three. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we've seen enough from guys like Patrick Williams. Like, if we really talk about this draft class. Jason uh, says top top five, he's top three. I think I'm still pretty high on Patrick Williams. I think we need to wait and see on Wiseman. Um, Anthony Edwards is putting up a lot of points, not contributing to winning. He's not shooting it well, but, like, there's talent there. So, you know, um, but he's – sure, he's in the conversation for top three, 100%. I take him over Halliburton. Um, let's see what else. Uh, do, do, do. I, Steven says you could like Zach Lowe. That doesn't mean his opinion is right about Harrow versus RJ. RJ has been doing this since he was 15 years old with the Canadian national team. RJ took a leap this year. Harrow hasn't. That's absolutely right. Um, but again, in fairness, um, that podcast was like three weeks ago. And I do think there has been a significant leap for me at least. And I know it may not, it may not say as much in the numbers, but to me watching the games, RJ, these last again, like seven, six, seven, eight games. There's he that to me has been where the leap is, and that podcast was before that. Frank Corona Jr. RJ or quickly gun to head long term. LOL. Um, RJ, I mean it's RJ. R- RJ is you build around RJ, like you figure out what pieces you need to add around this guy. And again, that doesn't mean he's going to be the best player, the second best player on a championship team, but. Like what else do we need to see? He's a foundational piece, and then quickly is like right after that, and then um, I think the more interesting question is quickly or or Randall. Like again, I don't want to have this conversation because I don't want to trade either of these guys. But like, and and different different teams would ask for some teams would ask for Randall, some teams would ask for quickly. But um, whew, I don't know. I'm gonna have to sleep on that one. Um, Randall and RJ is our big two. If they're your big two, I think there's probably a limit to how good of a team you are. I, I do still think they need a, need an elite perimeter shot creator. Like, again, we could all live in a fantasy world right now because who know, who the hell knows what's going to happen. But you put, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard on this team and Kawhi's your one, Randall's your two, RJ's your three, and quickly's your four. That's the thing. They're, they're like, they're a guy away. It just so happens to be the guy that they are away is the, there's only like, you know, six of that guy in the entire world. So, you know, it's going to be hard, um, but crazier things have happened because, Hey, um, the Knicks are a good team in New York and people will take notice at some point. Somebody's going to want to come here. So we'll, we'll have that conversation at that time. Um, Alec Burks uh, comment from the awesomest gamer, Alec Burks dribbles and shoots way too much. He dribbles too much. I don't usually mind most of his shots. I always feel pretty good about Burke's shots. Um, 
from deep or at the rim. I don't love him as much from mid-range. Um, Josh B, IQ or a top five pick? Oh, God, why you got to ask me these difficult questions? In this year's draft, I would, I would have to take the top five pick um, just because there's like – there's some – there's some heavy hitters in the top five this year. Um, no disparagements quickly, but I hope he hears this and this motivates him and he, he hates me. Um, oh, I got to read this one. Bills 29. Van Vliet probably wishes he signed with the Knicks. How you like me now, baby? Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. You know what? And like people did not believe. Nobody believed this summer that they had really turned things around with the Thibodeau hire, with the Rose hire, with Wesley coming aboard, with Kenny Payne. Like, the entire league still didn't believe because only a few guys wanted to sign with us. And um, I I hope there's some people around the league kicking themselves that they didn't give a longer look. But listen, let's see what happens this summer because this summer, other than Kawhi, who's, you know, that's a pipe dream, um, there's no huge names. But there's good basketball players that are available this summer. And I'll be really curious to see, you know, if they could get in on on some of these guys. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think I think that's going to change. Let's get a few more. Um, I am not commenting on Patrick Ewing getting accosted. I just – on the list of things I care about right now, Patrick I, – I love Patrick Ewing. I'm, we're, is there a Patrick Ewing – there's a Patrick Ewing poster right behind me. My favorite Nick of all time. I, I, I just – I did not think those comments were um, well-placed. Um, but who am I to say? He's Patrick Ewing. He can say whatever the fuck he wants. Um, do, do, do. Mateus uh, Swifterson. I love – If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Burks, I really do, but he needs to have his transition privileges revoked. <laughs> Slow it up every time he has it. I'm fine with that. Um, let's see what else. Knox deserves. Oh, Obi. I've been, oh. I've been. See, this is subconsciously. I didn't want to talk about Obi. Um, uh, Jim Percy Simon says Knox deserves to be playing minutes over Toppin right now. I mean. You know, thinnest kid, thinnest kid at fat camp argument, maybe a little bit there. I'm not sure either of those guys is a rotation player for a, a decent team right now. I mean, Toppin, you know, these minutes were not pretty for Toppin today. Um, and I know he had a nice pull-up against Milwaukee, and then he filed that up 25 seconds later with a with a really bad foul against the Bucks. Didn't help their efforts. Um, 
he's the rookie. He's playing like a rookie, and we're in that stage where, you know, he could turn it around. He could absolutely turn around. But, like, here's the thing. When you draft a rookie, you're okay with them having bad games. You're even okay with them having, like, hellaciously bad games in the way that Emmanuel quickly had some hellaciously bad games. Emmanuel quickly went like one for 10 or one for nine, like two or three times this year. Like that's okay. When you see the signs that you need to see to be like, Oh, that dude's going to be good long-term. I don't care that he's having a terrible game right now. That dude has whatever it is. He has it. We still don't have enough to say that Obi has it. We haven't seen enough to say that Obi doesn't have it, but we certainly haven't seen proof that he does. So that's disconcerting. Um, you know, we may not see it this year, um, but no, he's not an NBA rotation player on a decent team right now. Hopefully that changes. Tim Kim, thank you for your contribution to the Super Chat. Um, does Knicks, do the Knicks take an L and trade Obi and maybe get some good value out of him or should they stick with him? I don't like... What's Obi Toppin's trade value right now? Like, I agree. I think Obi's still going to be fine. I still think Obi, the things that you drafted, I always come back to this. I'm going to sound like a broken record. The things that my, that you, as my, my God, my daughter must really not like Obi Toppin. She's crying in the background. Um, the things that you drafted Obi Toppin to do, he has still not been given a really great opportunity to do. And I think when you give him the opportunity to do those things, he's going to be fine. Hey, what's up? I, I heard it. You got to go stop her. You got to give her a kiss. Um, I think when Obi, when Obi gets an opportunity to do the things that you drafted him to do, it's he, he'll be okay. But I just don't know what his trade value is right now. Um, so unless somebody gives you – I mean, I'm trying to think. Like what would be – it would have to be in a package for a guy that not only could help them this year, but potentially they could sign and be a really key piece for them moving forward. And I just don't see, like, you're not you're not getting Lon, uh, Lonzo Ball using Obi Toppin as the centerpiece of that trade trade package. It's just not happening. And if if somebody else out there has a better idea of like what you're including Obi in a trade for right now, that's like a real thing. I'm all ears. I just don't see it. Um, I just see LeBron question mark. I don't know. Can you OB for LeBron? Let's, let's see who says no. Um, OB ceiling. I still think OB ceiling is like a, a worse version of, of Montrez Harold, you know, um, less tenacity, more finesse on offense, similar defensive challenges. That's still what I see. OB's OB ceiling. Um, <laughs> Should we trade the whole team for Patrick Ewing? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what do we got here? Um, Mo Mohe Salat. Grant and a 2020 – oh, Grant for the 2023 Dallas pick. And Obi, like you're not getting Jeremy Grant for that. Nor And uh, I, I'm not sure Jeremy Grant makes a whole lot of sense on this, on this roster because I think you have to play him a decent amount at the four. Um, I mean, I take him. Be a nice starting three, but yeah, I don't think you're getting you're not getting Jeremy Grant for that. Um, can I ask why you say huge instead of huge? Because I'm Italian, I'm from Staten Island, and I've had this is my second beer. The accent comes out the more I drink. Um, ooh, um, I missed a super chat question. Um, from Blue Diamond Gem, thank you, uh, Andrew. 
do the Knicks or someone else give Randall the max? I want the Knicks to give Randall the maximum contract that they could give him this summer because it would only be for like uh, a little over $25 million a year. Um, does someone give Randall the max in a year and a half? If he keeps playing like this. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Shout out to Staten Island. Giddy up. Um, what else do we have? Take a couple more before I get out of here. Uh, Burks and Bullock are so frustrating. Uh, this is from Jonas Plout. Signing uh, Trent Jr. to a big contract becomes more appealing after every game, and there are no real downsides. We have the cap, no excuses. The downside is that that's $16 million a year that you can't spend on something else. Um, and if they had other pieces in place and you are adding Gary Trent Jr. to a core that's already in place – or like the Nets, you're signing that contract and he's Joe Harris and you're going over the cap to sign that contract, I think that's a different story. I still question the wisdom of using cap space to sign a guy who is essentially a, a role player. He's a really, 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 really great role player. But if the Knicks were going to give $16 million a year and that is what it's going to cost to go sign Gary Trent Jr., I would much rather them just draft Corey Kispert and pay Corey Kispert $3 million a year for the next four years, rather than pay Gary Trent Jr. $64 million over the next four years. I know I'm being harsh here on that, on the comment. I don't mean it to be because like Gary Trent Jr. is freaking awesome and he would help them win a lot of games. He's really good. I just, uh, I'm such a nut when it comes to this cap stuff and what you spend your money on. Um, and, and it, it, to me, it always comes back to this. Can you trade the contract once you sign it? And I think there's a chance that if you sign Gary Trent Jr. to the contract that it's going to take to get him here, I question how how tradable that contract is going to be. I could be wrong. I could be really underestimating his, his um, impact and appeal around the league, but that's my fear. But I, I completely agree that there is an argument for going out and signing him. Um, so, you know. Um, yeah, but, and I, I get the money, but it's one year deals. That's the difference with, with Burks and, and Bullock. And I'm not saying those guys are anywhere close to what, what Trent jr is, but you know, for, for where they're at right now, I just, just not sure it's the move that I'd be, I'd be thrilled with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it, but I wouldn't be thrilled with it. Uh, would you rather have Obi or Vassell on this team? I would have to say Vassell. Okay, let's end on this. Um, let's end on these two. So House Flan, I love that name. Terry Rozier's fit and availability. Um, I question the availability more than the fit. If I'm Charlotte, I'm asking for a first-round pick for Terry Rozier. And if I'm the Knicks, I do not want to give a first-round pick. Um, I think as long as he accepted his role, I'd be okay with Terry Rozier here because he's, he's good. Um, I just don't think it's happening. What would you give up to get Lonzo and Oladipo? I feel like I'm going to get the Oladipo question um, every live stream I do. Um, I would give up for Oladipo. My, my, my trade that I've been going back to over and over again is either Frank or Knox plus Bullock and the Detroit pick. And the more I think about it, I just 
I'm so convinced that Oladipo wants to end up in Miami, and I am so not convinced that he's ever going to be the player he once was. And I just I keep coming. I, I've gone back and forth. I've been on the fence on this all season long about trading for Oladipo, and I think I'm on the other side of the fence again because like the amount of money that you're going to need to pay that guy to get him to not go to Miami and the amount of years that you're going to need to sign that guy to get him to not go to Miami when you don't even know what he is as a player long-term shit. I don't know. Um, Lonzo, what would I give up for Lonzo? I'd give up one of our first round picks this year. I would give up the Dallas pick probably, Um, you know, and salary, the Dallas pick and, and Bullock. Um, that some people will probably be like, you're insane. Why would you give up a first round pick just for the right to have to overpay a guy in your restricted free agency this year? And that's because I think Lonzo could be a starter for a, a contending team. I think Lonzo is really good. And I know he's not exactly what the Knicks need, but I think he's, a, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in Lonzo ball as a really good basketball player who could do like, if you're asking me who would I rather pay $16 million to Gary Trent jr. Or Lonzo ball, I'm going to take Lonzo ball every day of the week. So that's probably an unpopular opinion, but that's, that's what I would say. Um, there was one more super chat comment um, for Michael Aaron. Um, thank you again so much, Michael. I really do appreciate these um, all the way from uh, Tennessee. All we heard before the draft was how NBA ready OB is. Do you think that's a misjudgment on scouts? Yes, I do. And analysts or because of the role we have him in. I think it's a misjudgment because again, he was playing against the A-10. So, you know, it's a massive leap to go from that conference to the NBA. And I think we're seeing that on defense. I think we're, we're seeing that today. He tried to, to get a dunk attempt on, who was it that he tried to get a dunk attempt on? I forget who it was, but they swatted that shit out the arena. Like, whoever, the, when he was playing against, you know, fucking Richmond last year, Richmond didn't have a guy who was going to block anything that he was putting up around the rim. Fordham didn't have a guy he was putting up. Forget about those players like Kansas. They played Kansas. Kansas didn't have a guy who could do that. You know, NBA teams do. So um, I think it's a little bit of a miscalculation, but I also think, it's a little bit role too. And I think we would be, there'd be a lot less concerns if we were, if we were playing him in the role that um, he, he should be playing. in. okay. Chip, Chip, thank you so much for the contribution. Um, and I appreciate you coming to these live streams. Chip Murphy, uh, go read Chip Murphy's stuff. Chip is, Chip is awesome. Um, go get Fournier or buy low on Devante. I'm not, how, how, how low are we buying on Devante now? I don't, I'm not sure if Charlotte, does Charlotte really want to, um, Trade a guy who is going to probably help them get to, you know, a good playoff seed. Fournier, I'm, I'm really, I've been, I've been getting asked about Fournier so much. I want to spend some, uh, you know what, here's what, here's my homework. I'm going to spend some time um, tomorrow morning when my family is hopefully still sleeping, um, watching some, some game tape of Evan Fournier. Because I just, I've never been a believer. The numbers are good. The offense is good. He could shot create a little bit. I just, I don't know. I've always been skeptical of his impact on winning and um, the playoff performances, which I have seen, have not exactly encouraged me. That said, if the price is low enough, but I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to make any significant moves. Um, if you're asking me on my prediction right now, maybe we get a Reddick trade. It's really it. 
Um, I don't think I don't think there's anything else. Um, what about trading for Collins, Mr. Mike? Why do we want John Collins? Um, I mean, I like I like John Collins as a theoretical basketball player on like a theoretical basketball team that has theoretical pieces that work around John Collins. I don't necessarily think this is that team. Uh, man, I, I just can't not answer good questions. John Park, do you think we could possibly acquire SGA? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at the question, John. That's a great question. I would uh, – what I wouldn't give up for SGA. I mean, they're not going to trade him. He's – that dude's – he's a building block. He's a foundational core piece for Oklahoma City. He's one of the ten best young players in the NBA probably one of the five or six best young players in the NBA. He's, he's just, he's really good. Um, I, you wouldn't get, I don't think you'd get uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander for both firsts. I think you would, Shea Gilgis Alexander, like, and again, I'm not advocating for this, but Oklahoma city is like, okay, we'll take, um, we'll take quickly. We'll take both of your first round picks this year. Um, we'll take two future unprotected firsts. And then maybe we can have a discussion. Like I'm, I'm like, I don't even think I'm being facetious. Like, if I was Sam Presti, that's – fuck it. That's what I – I mean, he's a 20-whatever-he-is, 21-year-old kid putting up insane across-the-board numbers on insane efficiency. And we may not even be near his ceiling yet. Um, it, it, Gilgis Alexander is just so fucking good. Like, that's – you want to talk about a piece that I would love to round out the R.J. Randall um, core with? Oof. Man, that dude, that guy's good. Anyway, okay, enough about SGA. But you know what? I want to keep quickly. Let's let's just let's just build with what we have. I like this team. This team is fun. This team is good. They're competitive. They're not perfect. They'll probably get their ass kicked in a few days, but I want to see where they go. I like these guys. And um, let's keep this train moving. We're 20 and 19. Who thought we would be 20 and 19? Not me. Look at us. Anyway, all right. Uh, I've been talking for almost 40 minutes. I should go probably see if my wife needs help with um, our two children who are probably tearing up. Well, one of them is tearing up the house. The other one is, I don't know, she can't really do much right now, but she's probably uh, pooping or something like that. Uh, I'll see everybody after the uh, Brooklyn game. Don't forget, uh, give us a thumbs up or uh, whatever else. Go to the podcast, give us a rating, a review if you're listening to this on through podcast uh, later today or tomorrow. And I um, think that's it. Oh, yeah. Check out um, the final episode of Final Score, uh, Andrew Claudio's uh, podcast that uh, is airing its 100th episode. His guest for that 100th episode is me, in which he asks me all kinds of questions about all kinds of things. So go check out Final Score, and I will see you guys uh, after the next game. Adios.